2: to get started visit plushcare.com weight loss that's plushcare.com weight loss welcome to the daily faceoff show your everyday source for the latest news
3: with top-notch insight and analysis live every weekday at noon Eastern Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off show. Today is Thursday, January 27th. He's former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna. I'm Frank Saravalli, and we're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. Welcome in. Mike, what's going on?
2: Just living, man. You know, actually a lot of excitement in the household this weekend because the St. Louis Blues Warriors team, which I coached in Philadelphia and a couple months ago, is actually hosting... Uh, tournament here in St. Louis. So I was going to get to do a bit of coaching this uh, this weekend. And the Royal Rumble is on Saturday, wow. which I'm a huge fan of with WWE. And then, man, off to Vegas. So I can't wait to see everybody in person. Frank, so excited for it.
3: Yeah, wrestling and heavy metal, two things I've learned about you over the course of this season. Mike McKenna, big fan of that and cooking. So we're checking all the boxes here on the Daily Face-Off show. Mike, we've got a lot to get to. Let's uh, throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and drop the puck with the Colorado Avalanche. What an impressive, incredible role that they've been on at home. Their 17th straight home victory at ball arena this season. They are flirting with, or could be flirting with an NHL record for most points gained on home ice in a season. The record is 74. Amazingly enough, the Colorado avalanche are on pace for 73 points. At home this season, you look at their comeback win against the Boston Bruins on Wednesday night and certainly a scary incident, though, to start the game with Nathan McKinnon and the hit that he took from Taylor Hall, really an inadvertent injury here. Just a tough play. Uh, not necessarily sure that Jared Bednar and the Colorado Avalanche see it the same way. They saw it as an unnecessary hit. What do you see?
2: Yeah, Jerry Bedner said this is a type of hit we're trying to get out of the game, but I think if you watch it at regular speed, it happens so fast. And to me, Hall is just going through Nathan McKinnon's skating lane, and McKinnon goes to make a move and go around him, cut back towards the middle in his own defensive zone, which it opens yourself up for this type of impact. I mean, Jacob Truba already caught McKinnon earlier this year when he was trying to shift one way, and it can happen. The unfortunate part is that McKinnon's stick comes up and hits him in the face. There was not head contact. It was initially called a five-minute major on the ice. It was rescinded back to a two-minute minor after the review because it showed clearly it was McKinnon's own stick that hit him in the face. So it's a bad accident. Taylor Hall, I don't think there was anything malicious here at all. He kept his shoulder down, his elbow down. He didn't, it wasn't predatory to me at all. It just happened. Um, But man, when we're talking about the Colorado Avalanche right now, this team is feeling it at home. And I think that mile high effect feeds into the mindset of teams when they come in. It's like, man, we're already a a mile in the air. Yeah, dude. It's like, we're a mile in the air. We're playing against the best home team in the league. And they can't help but think about that when they come into the building. And, I just look at Colorado and I see so many game-changing players. It's not just one or two people that can grab the bull by the horns. I mean, I thought Landeskog was fantastic last night, had a goal, big screen in front. And then you've got Ranton and McKinnon, McCarr with the game winner. Like, take your pick, dude. This team's stacked and they're playing up to their potential right now. And especially at home, they're just flat out scary.
3: Yeah. And to your point on the McKinnon hit, I don't even know that it's a minor penalty, but unfortunately, once the refs made the decision to make a major call, which is then under review, Mm -hmm. there's no option to wipe it off the table. You can only rescind it to the lowest possible penalty for that incident, which was a minor. Uh, You know, if Nathan McKinnon's stick doesn't hit himself in the face and he's not bloodied and doesn't leave the game, we're probably not even really talking about the hit. And really a tough spot for the Avs as they now go on the road where they quite obviously haven't been as good this season. McKinnon will not be traveling with the team. So his injury something to keep an eye on. I believe this is the third separate stint that the Avs will be without uh, McKinnon this season. And you mentioned McCarr. How about 41 goals from the Colorado Avalanche and their blue wow. line? If you look at some other teams oh. this season. The Vancouver Canucks have seven Total yeah. from their back end, 41-7. to seven. That's, uh, that's a pretty big disparity and a pretty big reason why the Colorado Avalanche are on the torrid pace that they are as the leaders in the Western Conference. Another team in the West that's been tearing it up. How about the Calgary Flames? Absolutely mauling teams, Mike. They've won their last two games <laughs> by a 13 to 1 margin. Their latest victim was the Columbus Blue Jackets on Wednesday night. You look at the numbers here Matthew Kachuk has been on a tear, Johnny Gaudreau on a roll, and they ended up with an incredible 62 shots on net. How bad were you feeling for the net miners in Columbus last night?
2: This is the type of game that when you watch, and watch this the scoreboard go between periods and you're thinking like 20 shots, 40 shots. Like how many shots are they gonna get? This has to be a typo. It can't be right. It reminds me of when I was a kid and walking into the St. Louis arena, being handed the stat pack by my dad, who's an office official, and seeing that Ron Tugnut had faced 73 shots in a game against Boston Bruins. And that was the modern record for shots on goal in a regulation game. Well, this one's top five all time. Okay, 62 shots. They allowed the Columbus Blue Jackets and what was what we had per- up earlier. I mean, Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk did whatever they wanted last night. Columbus was just so poor defensively. Merzlikens has no chance. It's unbelievable that a goalie can have a safe percentage above 90% yet allow six goals in a game. That shouldn't happen. And, you know, Calgary had a similar outburst against the St. Louis Blues this past week where Kachuk had five assists. It was 7-1 by the end of the second period. This is a team... That missed a lot of hockey. That seems like they have a lot of energy. Now they had that big layoff. Now they're rolling. This team, if you're going to put up five, six goals like that and still get stingy defense, still have Markstrom making the saves he has to. He was a goon last night. He took the only penalty for the Calgary Flames, (laughs) right? I just, I don't know, dude, like the Flames are, the Flames are hot right now. It's a, yeah, that's so cheesy. But they are, man. Like it's it's impressive to see and it's tough to watch Columbus be this bad because defensively that was about as poor outing as you'll ever see in the NHL.
3: Yeah, the flames are hot. We're gonna have to record that one and save it for our uh, our wall of joke, shame huh? or a clip of a clip <laughs> of shame later, because that was that was horrendous. By the way, They're uh, on lots fire. of talk. Yeah. Lots of talk about Johnny Gaudreau uh, did check in with the season that he's having, uh, obviously off the charts in terms of productivity, as good a contract year as you could possibly have. I I was wondering, have the Flames circled back to the Gaudreau camp at all? And I was told that in this case, Serenity now that uh, everyone seems very happy with the season that he's having. That was uh, the direct quote, and uh, the the Flames will see where things stand when it comes time to talk to Johnny Guadro and his camp again about what has been an unbelievable year. So speaking of new deals, how about the new one that Jeff Carter put pen to paper on with the Pittsburgh Penguins on Wednesday, a two-year contract extension for the pending unrestricted free agent at $3.125 million. He ends up with 3.25 in the first year and three in the last year of his deal, which will be when he is 39 years old. It's been an incredible career for Jeff Carter, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, And he's really worked out quite well for the Pittsburgh Penguins after Ron Hextall didn't really give up a lot to get him last year.
2: Right, and you know there was salary or salary cap retained in the deal that uh, basically cut it down from five point two to two point six. What would go against the cap for the Penguins, and like this was a really good deal for Ron Hextall. Yeah, man. Like, and I thought when this deal happened, this was this was ninety percent sure that it would be good for the Penguins. I actually last year called this the best deal at the deadline. I thought that it was going to make the biggest impact. I had some people that disagreed with me on that. Well. 37 points in 50 games for a guy that's playing third line center, played some wing, gives you some depth on the power play. I understand he's older and there was a fear going on that, hey, oh, he's got another year left on a deal. Well, look at his performance so far this season. You know, he's he's been outstanding. And, And I think that even at 37, like he is with two more years left on his next contract, he can still skate. He gets to the front of the net. He's got that big body. His hands are still as good as ever. He scores from the front of the net. He scores from bad angles, mm-hmm. and he's got experience. And I think this sends a message, Frank. When you look at that locker room, I mean, Crosby and Malkin—they're going to be up for deals. And it's like, dude, like you've got Carter sitting here as your third line center. Like that's those one, two, three down the middle. That's as good as it gets. Like if I'm Crosby or Malkin, I want to stay because I think that the pieces are in place for Pittsburgh. To be good not just this year not just next year man like there's still a few more years left here and i think carter's a part of that
3: yeah i mean crosby's got some term on his deal but for Mm -hmm. carter at least a big part of his acquisition and no one was really expecting it at the time is how he's picked up from malkin in his absence he's really given the penguins that threat down the middle that they needed and at that price point at that sort of reliability um I think the real key for Jeff Carter, they were sort of modeling this deal after the new deal that uh, Ryan Getzlaff had in Anaheim. The big part of it was getting the no move clause. When you're that age, Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice to get another 6 million bucks after you've made a ton in in your career. But you also want the stability for your family as well to say, hey, I'm only going somewhere if I know that I uh, am and, and make the decision that I am. So uh, the no-move clause, a big part of the new deal for Jeff Carter, as well as the Penguins. Ron Hextall today uh, saying that they continue to work away at what new deals might look like for Chris Letang and for Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, a pending unrestricted free agent that could get quite expensive as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on all that. Mike, some interesting news out of the desert this morning. Craig Morgan of GoPhoenix.com who does a great job covering the Arizona Coyotes, uh, saying that the Coyotes are deep into talks with Arizona State University to park the Coyotes there on a temporary basis for a three or four year term as a temporary stopgap, a temporary solution until the Coyotes can get their new arena built. I, the only caveat here is that it would be a five thousand seat arena, which would be by far the smallest ever to host an NHL team for an extended run. What do you think of this potential arrangement? could it work and and you know what's happening in the desert?
2: It can't work. come on like five thousand people in the building. how much are we gonna charge for these tickets like I know they've probably been I, taking I thought a you were gonna make the joke
3: that at this point well, maybe the coyotes will actually sell out games well.
2: <laughs> i hope they do like i i truly hope that man i hope it's standing room only and th- i hope it finally works in the desert i've been out there like players love playing there it's just nobody wanted to go to glendale and we've seen how that's gone it's hard though like how are you going to get excited for five thousand seats in a building like I I get it. We've all played in really small arenas in the minors previously that have been loud at five or six thousand. But it's still it's the NHL. You know, you kind of lose that luster of what it's supposed to be. 18,000 screaming fans. But we're also in this weird COVID world where buildings are half full. So maybe the silver lining to this is for these next couple of years as other cities are getting back on their feet. This is a good deal that they can get people in the building and have a layover. My question here, Frank, though, is is this really two or three years or four years? Can they really get that next arena built? Is it really going to happen? Because it's been so many starts and stops and so many dead ends for this long. It's hard to have confidence in anything in Arizona.
3: Well, that's really kind of the problem is that the NHL had stress of the Coyotes and, and they made this point Gary Bettman did at the Board of Governors meeting back in December when he was asked about it. He told the Coyotes Get shovels in the ground, get a piece of mm-hmm. steel in the ground on your new permanent arena, and then begin worrying about what your temporary solution is because you can always find some kind of temporary solution. They talked about sure. Chase Field where the Diamondbacks play. They've talked about Arizona Veterans Memorial Coliseum. They've talked about... Uh, The home of the Phoenix Suns, maybe even potentially crawling back to Glendale if you need on a very temporary basis and say, hey, we'll pay X amount of more than what you're looking for. Just give us a home for the next three years. I don't know how this is all going to play out. Maybe this Arizona State situation is just leverage that they're trying to create to eventually go back and stay in Glendale for another couple of years to me. The Veterans Memorial Coliseum there, it wasn't a fit from just a pure technology standpoint, a pure Mm -hmm. amenity standpoint. At least you know that it may be a 5,000-seat building at Arizona State. But it's going to be beautiful, and it's going to have all the, the current modern technological, technological right. amenities, including for broadcast, which is a big, mm-hmm. big part of the NHL's concern. So can they make it work? Yes, I believe they can. Is it ideal? No, it's not. But then again, really nothing has been ideal about Mm-mm. the Coyotes <laughs> and their segment, their, uh, their issue, uh, of course, in Arizona. So let's get to some news and notes from around the league with Icebreakers. Icebreakers. <laughs>
2: Frank, it feels like we've been talking about Evander Kane off and on for months at this point and not much traction because a couple weeks or a week ago we're thinking he's going to sign a contract and be back in the league and then use an NHL investigation. Everything gets delayed. What's the latest in this situation?
3: Yeah, it's... Definitely developing, there's something uh, in the works. I believe at this point, the easiest way to describe it is that I believe the NHL is in receipt of the findings from the independent investigation that occurred that Evander Kane participated in. And they're in the process right now, you know, as we speak of reviewing that information and then determining what the next steps are, if any. The entire time Evander Kane has been free to sign with any team, but as we've reported, Teams have sort of been reluctant to do so because of any potential discipline that may come. He's already been suspended for 21 games this season for a COVID 19 protocol violation. You would think that if there was another confirmed by this investigation, that a suspension could be lengthy. You know, no team wants to sign a player to then have him sit out for the next 40 games. So that's what teams have been waiting on. I do believe that there will be clarity. If not today, uh, then tomorrow, that this is is imminent and coming, and, and Tim Peel has been uh, out there in front of this story the entire time. You know him as our rules analyst that appears on Daily Face Off, but also, I guess, a little bit of a newsbreaker as well, because I do believe that Tim is correct in his reporting that if there is no discipline that's coming, that Evander Kane will choose the Edmonton Oilers, and that will be his spot. So. Um, That's sort of where things stand at the moment as the NHL continues to work through the process to come to a final resolution on what's next for Evander Kane.
2: Our own Tim Peel, Hockey Insider. And Tim had some nice help in a piece that I had yesterday we worked on together talking about the Arundel incidents. So this has been a strange year in terms of general managers around the league, Frank. I mean, how many places have been filled? Montreal gets their guy in Kent Hughes. The Canucks get Patrick Alvin. He's in place as a general manager. But there's still a couple openings out there. With the Ducks and the Blackhawks, are they getting any closer to filling their vacant GM slots?
3: So things are actually picking up quite a bit in both Anaheim and now Chicago. Now the two things that tie these two teams together, it's been a methodical process since Bob Murray and uh, Stan Bowman both resigned for two separate incidents uh, and scandals that cost them their jobs. And in this case, uh, they, they both these organizations were going saying, hey, should we institute a president of hockey ops position and then hire a general manager? What they've both determined is it's going to be one all-encompassing position at the general manager role that, that oversees everything in hockey operations. Now, things have picked up quite a bit on the Anaheim front, which was moving very slowly. I'm told that two weeks ago, the Ducks had interviewed all of their three internal candidates for the position, including interim Jeff Solomon, as well as Martin Madden and uh, Dave Nones. their two assistant GMs. There are plenty of experience, Mm -hmm. but here's where it gets interesting. The Ducks have interviewed, I'm told, between five and six external candidates in the last week alone. There are more names on their list, I believe as many as 10 or 12 that they want to get to. Still sorting out the names. And what's interesting from the Ducks' perspective, it's Sort of been very quiet, very tight-lipped. One of the uh, tests, if you will, of this process has been: if your name gets out there, we're going to be really curious to see how, why, and and you know, just to tuck that away as some information for the ducks. The Blackhawks and their pre- their CEO Danny Wirtz mentioned in a release on Wednesday that they are beginning a process to search for their next general manager. I'm told the time frame for the Blackhawks is they hope to have someone in the next two to three weeks. Kyle Davidson, their interim, will be a strong candidate, but it's anyone's guess at this point as to where the Blackhawks go after they've begun a methodical process. They're trying to think outside the box. They're trying to do things a little bit differently. The Ducks are as well. I'm told that they had... Uh, Some females as well that were also part of their long list of people to talk to. So both the Ducks and the Blackhawks, after it looked like they might get through the entire season with the interims that they have in place, both are very hopeful that they'll have someone in the role before the trade deadline and big decisions loom for both of those clubs.
2: Enough of the front office talk. Let's flip back into the locker room and something that we never like to hear. It sounds like there is a scary injury situation with a Pittsburgh Penguins player. What have you heard about it, Frank?
3: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That would be Drew O'Connor, the Pittsburgh Penguins forward. He actually suffered a collapsed lung after their game on January 15th. He's been out with what to this point had been an undisclosed injury. And if you notice, he only played 536 in that game in San Jose, got to Vegas uh, during the game, had trouble breathing, Uh, got to Vegas and got treatment. They discovered the collapsed lung, got him all the treatment that he needed. Um, And I think what's really interesting about the scenario and what had some people uh, initially worried was that Drew O'Connor entered the COVID-19 protocol on January 4th. And so the initial concern right away was, is this injury, this collapsed lung, at all related to COVID? The answers from all doctors to this point has been no. That this is just a total separate occurrence. Uh, sometimes these injuries happen; it can be as a result of a hit. No one is exactly sure how or why, but it's sort of been a long road back for Drew O'Connor. In the last couple weeks, he had to be driven from vegas all the way back to pittsburgh a two-day ordeal the penguins are hoping that he can begin skating here in the next couple days and be back in the lineup in the next few weeks but a collapsed lung certainly raises some eyebrows and has people uh nervous we're all glad that drew o'connor is okay and on the men for the pittsburgh penguins
2: I've driven to and from St. Louis to Vegas more times than I want to count. I can't imagine having to go further all the way to Pittsburgh on top of the scary situation that he has faced. So let's flip to Canada's capital and the Ottawa Senators. And they recently locked up defenseman Nick Holden uh, to a new deal on Thursday. I love that. I think it's a smart move by GM Pierre Dorian, especially because Holden brings some leadership and some steadiness to the blue line and a team that could frankly use it. Could another pending Ottawa UFA get a new deal shortly?
3: Actually, there's a couple that I believe that they're interested in resigning. One we talked to about previously this week in our uh, in our blue paint segment, and that would be Anton Forsberg. I think the Sens oh, really? have been thrilled with what they've seen from Forsberg. Uh, they His name has popped up in conversations among other teams that are looking for debt miners. The Sens would consider resigning him. And the other one is Nick Paul. I think there's been considerable mm. interest in Nick Paul as well up front. Teams love his work ethic and what he brings to the ice Uh, both those players on inexpensive uh, pending UFA deals so Paul and Forsberg the Sens will begin at some point some exploratory conversations to see if they can keep those guys and if not given the interest that's out there you could certainly see those players added to our trade targets list later on as we get closer to the March 21st deadline. Mike this has been another uh, edition of Icebreakers delivered by DoorDash All right, Mike, it's time for our Daily face-off Inbox Question of the Day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag DFO. Mike, a little bit of a lighthearted moment you saw uh, on TNT last night. I know you love the broadcast, Paul Bissonnette. I do. And what he brought to the table with Steve Iserman, who can be an awkward interview subject on The Best of Days. Let's see how Paul <laughs> Bissonnette, Biz Nasty, got Stevie Wise's <laughs> wheels turning on national TV.
2: You talk about your career and then obviously transitioning as an incredible hockey mind on the the management side of things. Given that there's probably a lot of it constantly on your mind, what do you do in order to decompress when you get away from the rink and and, and maybe enjoy yourself?
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I can't be honest with that one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not on Uh, national TV. (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs)
3: <laughs> so immediately the spit and guys all of a sudden you see on Twitter uh having a little fun at Stevie Y's expense. Can't mention exactly what they were inferring to, but uh Mike, what wrong answers only. What do you think? How do you think Steve on unwinds?
2: Well, I, I mean, like everybody, I I think he was probably a big fan of the Golden Girls, and when you looked around, you saw the cross stitch throughout the house. And even look at this nice tribute: "Thank you for being a friend" with the needlepoint and the cross. Like, I think that secretly Steve Iserman is one of the best cross stitchers you could ever imagine. And and I I can't I've got some insider knowledge here. This is actually his latest creation that he just finished. He's big on the Red Wings. Look at that. Go Wings. That's in his living room, Frank. I saw it. I somewhere I saw it. I, I, I 90. Well, actually about 22% sure that this is truth. Uh, but I think he's just a huge cross stitch guy. And he just, he didn't want to blow himself up worldwide because it's such a heavy market. He's got things to do with the Red Wings. They're trending upward. You don't want to have that derailed by your burgeoning cross stitch profession. So there it is. That's my theory hey. on Stevie Y.
3: The Iser plan is, is working out quite nicely in Detroit. Who knows? Maybe he's got some sort of secret business plan. I, the best part to me later on in the answer, he also said, "I, I like to just listen to audio books. I put my headphones in and lay in bed and listen to audio books." And I, I don't know. Uh, that was also he's not a good at that- golf
2: enjoy it and it spoke to my soul <laughs> i'm so bad at yeah
3: golf. but that uh the audiobooks i was just throwing off like do you listen to things in bed with your headphones in? i don't personally anyway uh we're getting way off topic we've had all sorts of breaking <laughs> news today from from unexpected sources from tim po from mike mckenna you never know what you're going to find on the daily face-off show let's get to our daily bet segment and welcome back in tyler uremchuk how'd you do last night tyler
0: not good, Frank. So we're just going to move on from that and get right to the games today, courtesy of our friends at Points Vet. I need a bounce back. I really need to bounce back tonight. But there's a couple of spots that I really like, starting with the Rangers taking on the Blue Jackets. You can see it right at the bottom there. This game is in Columbus. But I'm not backing the home side here. I'm going with the visitors. The Rangers are 8-3-0 so far this month. And they've actually covered the spread in six of those eight wins. They're averaging 3.45 goals a game so far in January. And tonight, they get to go up against Jonas Corposalo, who is not confirmed, but he is the expected starter for the Columbus Blue Jackets. This one's paying out plus 120 on the puck line for the Rangers. And I love this spot. Blue Jackets gave up over 60 shots to Calgary. I don't think they'll be able to hold back the Rangers offense. I like New York to roll in this one, taking them on the puck line. And up next, this is something I've only done a, or once actually this year, but I hit it the one time I did it. And it's a money line parlay on two pretty big favorites, starting with Tampa Bay in New Jersey, and then finishing it up with Pittsburgh, who's taking on Seattle. So far this month, Tampa Bay ninth in the NHL. On the other side of that, they're taking on the team that's 27th in the NHL in New Jersey. Pittsburgh, they're third in the NHL in the month of January and the Kraken are 29th in the league. So it's a couple of teams that I really, really like to roll in this one. And I'm just going with the straight up money line in this one, parlaying them together. It pays out minus 125, the home side on this, which is Pittsburgh and Tampa combined home record, 27, nine and five on the year, Seattle, New Jersey combined on the road, nine 22 and four home sides are going to roll parlay them together. And to wrap things up with my prop for today, Evgeny Svechnikov. He's even money, or sorry, Andre Svechnikov. Uh, he's not even money to pick up an assist. Yeah, yeah, not his brother. Uh, he's even money to pick up an apple in their matchup against the Ottawa Senators. He's actually on a five-game assist streak with eight assists in that span. So I like him to keep going here. Sense have given up the sixth most goals against per game in the NHL this season. Carolina, their offense is rolling as of late. Third in goals for per game in the month of January. Svechnikov assist. Tampa Bay-Pittsburgh money line parlay. Rangers on the puck line against Columbus. Three plays tonight, Frank, and I'm really, really hoping for a sweep.
3: Yeah, you need some help. I don't know. I just wouldn't be betting against Columbus after they got boots to faces last night from the Calgary Flames. Quick turnaround, angry team. I don't know. We'll be interested to see how that plays out. We'll keep an eye on it. And that brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. There's been lots of talk about Aaron Dell in the last couple of days for his hit on Drake Batherson that the sensei today will keep him out at least two months, their leading scorer. I was told today somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks for Drake Batherson. So it could be even longer and obviously a garbage play. But you think the treatment, Mike, of Aaron Dell since was also garbage? In
2: some ways, I mean, like he deserves every bit of criticism for the hit. That was a terrible hit. It was, it was nothing that you should ever do. Like there was no reason to make contact, to initiate it. And he deserves to get backlash for that. And there's no reason why people can't spout off about criticizing that play. And he was suspended for three games that he deserved it. But what I don't like is how people take an opportunity like this to start taking pot shots at a guy's career. Okay, like Aaron Dells played six years in the NHL, four of them full time, played well over 100 games. He fought his way up from the Central Hockey League, which was really kind of below the ECHL back in its day, probably making 500 bucks a week to get to the NHL. I feel like this hits home for you. Like, dude, it does, man, 100 percent, because this is people would all the time, like, you know crush me on my career. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my career and I can guarantee you he is too. And he should be because of where he is. You should not be proud of that hit on Drake Batherson whatsoever. Shouldn't ever do that again. And I've, I mean, this resonates around the league, man. Like I've talked to a few other guys that have been his victim before. And it's like, yeah, he's going to get it. Like somebody's going to run him bad. And it's like, that's not a great way to play in the NHL when you know somebody's head hunting for you. Cause there's people around the league that talk a lot, but I just don't like how people will take any opportunity to just bag on a person's career, call him a terrible goalie, marginal, like, has he been good this year? No, but this guy's played in the NHL. He is an NHL goaltender, and I think there's a level of respect there that's deserved. Again, not for that play, not for what he did, but just for him and his career itself.
3: I think everyone deserves that. A, a close friend and confidant in Craig Button, former Calgary Flames GM, said to me a long time ago when my first first start of my career, he said, it's OK to be critical, but don't ever be personal. And when you hear people cross the line and and say, oh, this guy is only an ECHL goalie or whatever it is, he, he's playing in the best league in the world. That doesn't happen by accident. You don't just arrive there. And so everyone deserves that respect. Garbage play doesn't make him a garbage person. So uh, well said by you, Mike. And that is all the time that we have for today's show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news insight and analysis it's been an incredibly newsy day there's lots going on in the hockey world and we'll be back right here tomorrow with another edition at 12 noon eastern time you know where to find us until then thanks again mike and have a great day everyone
2: thanks for watching the daily face-off show make sure you hit subscribe on our youtube channel to
0: never miss an episode Because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight